This is Billy Corbin, director of Cocaine Cowboys and the 30 for 30s, The You and Broke. And there's nothing we love in Miami more than driving cruise control with no hands, steering with our knee, and not using turn signals, which is kind of what it's like listening to the Cruise Control Podcast with my man, Randy Cruz. Alright, thank you for downloading another edition of the Cruise Control Podcast here on blogtalkradio.com. I am your host, Randy Cruz. You can follow me on Twitter at Randy J. Cruz, R-A-N-D-Y-J-C-R-U-Z. You can catch all of the shows on blogtalkradio.com backslash Hits Radio Show, also on hitsradioshow.com, and we have... Plenty to talk about when it comes to the NBA and the NBA trade deadline that happened earlier this afternoon. Uh, Teams who are currently in the playoff hunt making some big moves and other teams just trying to clear salary cap and get some draft picks. Uh, Myself, Randy Cruz, my brother Joe Cruz Jr. will be chiming in in a bit. And also my guest, a good friend of mine, Mr. DK of DK Media here in uh, NYC. And... um, you know what, let's get right to it. DK, you're, you're on the line right now. Crazy day in the NBA. I know me and you were refreshing Twitter um, pretty much the last hour before the deadline was up. Um, just real briefly, before we get into the whole mix of it, how was your NBA trade deadline today? It was frantic. It was all over the place. First and foremost, I want to thank you, Randy, for allowing me to come on Hits Radio it's the Hits Radio Show, and uh, just filed some grievances here. I got a lot of grievances against a couple of teams, but I'll get to that in a second. But yeah, it was a lot. It was frantic. A lot of trades starting to happen really fast. Around the you know one thirty, three o'clock range, everybody wanted to do everything really quick by the deadline, see if they could squeeze the most out of these teams, uh, you know, before they did their trade. So it was it was frantic, but I, I like the trade deadline because it. it, it gets moving, it's quick, and a lot of teams can change midseason. All right, before we get into who got traded and describing the moves that went down early today, I do want to give the audience and the fans um, some kind of background on, on what you do, what is DK Media, how long has it been going on, and where people can hear the DK Media Show podcast you have going on. Thank you. Listen, uh, SoundCloud.com backslash the DK Media Show. Uh, we talk about everything from sports, gossip, news, uh, you name it. Been doing it for a couple months now. Um, listen, I'm energetic. Uh, I got a got a snappy personality. I'm witty, so I decided to uh, start a show and I'm um, getting some good feedback. So I'm up on it. It's in its, in its infancy stage. I'm, I'm raising this baby up from a little baby, and hopefully, it can just grow up into a great big adult who's smashing these other shows. And I don't want to compete with the it's radio show. But you know, I am I am trying to uh, you know establish a fan base. But it started uh, starting off small and it's gaining momentum. So I appreciate everybody who jumps on it once again. SoundCloud.com backslash uh, the DK Media Show. Also hit me up on the Twitter, Twitter.com DK Media NYC. Uh, but yeah, so just gossip, news, sports, anything that's out there. I'm pretty much on it. But just a quick quick talk about basketball. I am a NBA fanatic. I love the NBA as a whole. It's a big soap opera. I'm basketball fanatic in general, um, but obviously I, I follow closely the Knicks because they're in my hometown, 
So it's a lot of uh, press talking about the Knicks. So I do have an affinity to watch what they do, and I can talk about them a little bit more than others, but I love the NBA as a whole. It's funny you brought up the Knicks because that's exactly where I'm going right now. And before the trade deadline even happened, this is earlier in the week. You're a New York native, so am I, and we follow the Knicks um, all the time. Amari Stoudemire got waived on, on Monday by New York. He signed with the Dallas Mavericks, I believe, yesterday. You know, Amari came here in, in 2010 in, in that big free agency class with, with, with LeBron and Bosh and Wade, Joe Johnson, Carlos Boozer. He was the one guy that said, you know what, I'm going to come here and play, play here in New York. And ultimately, it brought a lot of players just the mindset of saying, you know what, maybe I want to play in New York. Carmelo Anthony, Tyson Chandler, other players. Can you kind of give uh, a, a description of whether it be good or bad, the the era that Amari Stoudemire had here in New York, what's the lasting image or legacy, and how do you think he would play in Dallas? <sighs> Amari Stoudemire. He signed a five-year, hundred. I don't know the exact figure. I know it was over a hundred million dollar contract, and I would say his first year he was worth every penny. First year. After that, those two knees crumbled right beneath him. They, they they were never, ever the same. Steve Kerr didn't want to re-sign him. Obviously, he was in Phoenix. Steve Kerr was the general manager at the time. And Phoenix was going to, you know, they they were talking about re-signing Amari Stoudemire. And Steve Kerr's like, hey, this guy has two bad knees. You guys give him $100 million, It's going to be a problem. Don't do it. The Knicks said, we're desperate for some for free agent. Hey, Amari, you're, the big, you, you, you're one of the big names. Obviously, they want to go after LeBron as well. But let's pick you up. They picked him up. The first year was great. He was building a lot of rapport with Raymond Felton. Uh, it was starting to pick up. And I had a lot of hope for the Knicks. Obviously, when they picked up um, Carmelo, I said, okay, well, maybe that, that could work. Fast forward to today, right now, present time, the whole entire experiment fell flat on its face. Amari... Basically, you know, I feel, I feel you know I feel about people, especially in the NBA, stealing money. There's a lot of players stealing money, and I say stealing money is they get guaranteed contracts, and they're never the player that they were. Now, if Amari was the same player in Phoenix, we're we're great. Amari's not the same player in Phoenix. We all know that he has two bad knees. I don't care how many, I don't care if he bathes in wine every single day for two hours. <laughs> it's not. He's finished. I don't know how much he's going to get Dallas. Godspeed. I, I believe he's, no, he's not from the Dallas area, but they picked him up and Godspeed. But, yeah, Omari, uh, he, the experiment didn't work, and um, he has two bad knees, and I don't, I don't foresee him playing another two to three years. Now, do you feel like the, the whole Omari Stoudemire experiment did not work solely because of the injuries or the fact that, you know, once Melo came here, he was the you know the 1A guy and everybody was on Melo for being like the guy that's going to lead New York to somewhat to the playoffs or a deep playoff run even talking championship um aspirations do you feel like Amari uh Amari's time did not work well because many of the injuries or the fact that him and Melo just never really got along on the court or clicked or clicked together Well see it's a good question when 
time, and you can't build rapport with the guys you're playing. You could say, people have said, you know, mellow, selfish, they're both type A personalities in terms of on the court where they need the ball to score and make it work. It wasn't going to work from the jump. I, I look at it this way. You need time to play with someone to build a rapport in order for it to work. It's not going to happen overnight. There needs to be practices. There needs to be a time, a time where you get used to how a player wants the ball in the post, how a player wants a lob, how a player uh, runs on a fast break. All those things have to come together, and some teams don't get it in a year, in a, you know, two years. It, for some teams, they get it quick, two weeks, three weeks, a month. It, it, it all varies, but I just knew once Amari's knees were a problem, and that's where I'm, you know, leaning towards. Once his knees were a problem, it affected how him and Mello were going to coexist. If you're not on the court and you're not practicing and and you're playing off nights, like you're playing, if you have a game Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and you're only playing Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, you're off. Like, and Mello's playing all three of those games, you're not going to build the rapport. So I, to answer your question, it's more to do with Amari's two bad knees than Melo being selfish and not being able to gel with Amari. DK Media here joining me on the Cruise Control Podcast here on blogtalkradio.com. So now, NBA trade deadline comes here, and it became frantic between the the hours of 2 and 3 p.m. So if you were at work or, or away from a computer or your phone, a lot of things happened from 2 to 3 p.m. before the deadline um, finished. So now some players who we thought were going to possibly be traded were dealt. On the other hand, some players who we thought were not even in the trading market picture were also dealt. Now, I, I don't really know where to start, but I'm going to start off here in the, in the tri-state area. Kevin Garnett. Where you know no one even thought about him getting traded, or there was no thought prior to today, and all of a sudden Kevin Garnett, who had a trade a, a no trade clause in the contract, says, "You know what? Trade me to Minnesota." <laughs> and I'm like, "Ooh, Kevin Garnett, why do you want to go back to Minnesota?" But when you look back at it, you kind of you kind of understand of how he left Minnesota, and it was kind of just like, you know, it. It wasn't the right way, or the, it was some bad blood still there from Minnesota. But him going back to Minnesota, him leaving Brooklyn, and that obviously is, was a failed experiment with him and Pierce coming from Boston. He's going to finish it out in Minnesota. Brooklyn gets Thaddeus Young in return. What was your thought about, one, Kevin Garnett being traded to Minnesota, and, and on, on the back end, what is your overall thoughts of what Brooklyn Nets are doing? Okay, so first and foremost, Kevin Garnett, I believe this may be his last year. It may be his last year. Maybe he'll play another year, but this may be his last year. Right. He played, I believe, any, I think 11 or 12 years with Minnesota. Um, he clearly wants to retire Minnesota Timberwolves, which is great because that's where he started his career. That's where he took that team as far as he could, and and it's a great, it's a great story. And I and I can see why he would leave the cesspool 
that is the Nets. And now I can go so many ways with the Nets. The Nets get Thaddeus Young, young player. I liked him with the 76ers. Um, I think he's a young player. I think he's crafty, and I think he, if he's on the right team, he, he'll definitely bring a lot to the table. Um, but, yeah, Kevin Garnett going, and I believe he's going back with Flip Saunders, and I believe he, I believe Flip, Flip coached him uh, for a period of time as well, if I'm mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, Randy. But, um, uh, he did, he did. Uh, yeah, so, you know, it's, it's nostalgic. It's, it's, you know, closing out the career. He'll, you know, more than likely get his Minnesota, his, his number retired in Minnesota, more than likely, and it's a great story. Now, on the other side with the Nets, listen, once again, uh, I had so much hope for this team to, I would say maybe two years ago, when it was D. Will, Pierce, Kevin Garnett, Brooke Lopez, there was so much hope for the Nets, and then all hell broke loose, starting with D. Will. D. Will's finished. He will never be the D. Will from Utah. I, I had high hopes for him. He signed a big contract as well, and then he disappeared like Houdini. Gone. He's never been the same since. Paul Pierce, they got rid of him, and now he's still doing work in Washington. I don't know why he decided, I don't know why they decided to trade him, but now he's in Washington. Um, Brooke Lopez, I've never been, a, I've never liked him whatsoever. I think as a seven-footer, if you're averaging three to four rebounds a night, you're, you're, you're despicable. You should be sitting on the bench. I mean, 22 points, that doesn't mean anything to me. And, and mind you, at this point, he's on the wrong team because he needs to be on the team with another player that can rebound and take away his deficiency. He can't rebound, and he really can't defend. So it's a small. It's starting to turn into a small man league. So if you have a 6'8", 6'7", guy going against Brooke Lopez, he's just going to pull him out to the three-point line and dance on him. And Brooke's going to look like a fool like he usually does every single night. Um, but the Nets have a long way to go. They've, they've, they've gone from top to bottom, and uh, I'm just sad for the Nets. Happy for Kevin Garnett, sad for the Nets, and, you know, that's a whole other different conversation. So let me ask you this, because when I checked earlier, I was like, you know what? Brooklyn is still in the in the playoff hunt, and when I checked, they were number eighth. And you look at Minnesota; they have the worst record in the Western Conference. So you look at it like, why would Kevin Garnett want to say, you know what? I'm gonna leave this number eight seed team in the East and go to the number whatever it is last place in Minnesota. Do you think there was more to him leaving, or the fact that? He knows he just he just doesn't have you know enough to give to Brooklyn, and he knows um, the time is coming up, or the fact that he just feels like the the whole experiment of, of him and Pierce coming to Brooklyn, and they gave Boston a lot of draft picks, and the fact that everything just just kind of failed. Uh, it's a combination. I think that yeah, I think I think that uh, he got tired of the he got tired of the Nets. I really do. I think he got tired of that. He got tired of sitting and watching D. Will just deteriorate, having Jared Jack come in and Jared Jack can play. Having Jared Jack come in and take your spot, take your starting spot. Just it just and once again, Kevin Garnett had a, a no trade clause, so he actually said, "You know what? I'll go to Minnesota. Going back home to where it all began. It, it's just once again. I think he's this is his last year. He's going to go home. He's going to try and um, be a professional." And, you know, work with the big guys there and just, you know, 
show them how it is to be a professional, show them how it is to work every single day, and hopefully he rubs off on the big guys there. The front office loves him, the front office, and you mentioned before, you know, he may have left under different, you know, different, you know, some weird terms, but now he gets to come back home, mend those fences, you know, hugs and kisses, and everybody's, you know, singing kumbaya. I think it's a great move for him. Uh, but I, I honestly think he was just tired of, you know, yeah, he, yeah, the Nets are in the playoff hunt, but I think he's just like, you know what, getting eliminated in the first round, uh, go home, go home to Minnesota and actually get an extra a couple weeks off and just retire. I think that was that was more uh, more more of a positive to him than being with the New Jersey Nets and getting bumped out in the first round. Hey, were you surprised the fact that Pablo Prigioni uh, got traded not not for one but for two second round draft picks from Houston? Nah, I wasn't surprised. I mean, you know, Knicks are clearing clearing their decks, but uh, Pablo never worked in New York because they always wanted him to score when he was open. He's not a scorer. He's a pass first point guard, so he only works when you put him on a team where it's a lot of stars that'll score when they get the ball. So he works perfectly with Houston. He won't need to. He won't need to score. He has Harden. Who is uh, you know leading vote getter in my opinion for MVP, and then Howard's going to come back, and you know you got the other guys, you got Ariza, so he's he's perfect on Houston. On the Knicks, not so much, and and I know they got Sved, Alexi Sved. Uh, I know the Knicks got Alexi Sved, and I've seen him play a couple times, and he's okay. He's okay. I've seen him. I got to see him a little bit more. But Pablo um, never worked on the Knicks. I, I I like him, but based on the team that the Knicks had. He never worked. So, yeah, Pablo, good, good to see you go, Pablo. Hate to see you leave, but good to see you go and you get a new opportunity to, you know, get some work done. Now, kind of kind of segueing with the Knicks or going back to New York, the fact that a different trade happened involving a guy that the Knicks wanted, who I think the Knicks wanted. I know a lot of Knicks fans wanted him. Goran Dragic, a guy who I've said many times on my show, the fact that it's the, a point guard that fits the triangle system, a guy who can shoot, pass, create his own shot, attack the basket, make a three-point shot, and just very aggressive. Now, all of a sudden, uh, DK, the Miami Heat, who, who are no friends to, to, to the New York Knicks, they acquired Goen Dragic, and, and if I get it right, it's him and his brother going to Miami, and from Miami... Um, to Phoenix is, is Danny Granger, John Salmons, uh, two first-round picks, and also the Pelicans are are involved with Norris Cole as the main guy going to New Orleans. One, were you shocked that Goran Dragic was traded to the Miami Heat, that, that the Miami Heat got involved, even though that's one destination he wanted to go to? Do you think he'll resign there long-term because the team who wanted him had to have some inclination that they get him you know, he has to re-sign with them long-term. And the fact that, are you surprised that the Knicks were not able to get him? Do you think they'll have a chance come this summer to getting him? <sighs> the Knicks, the Knicks, the Knicks. The Knicks, I don't know who was working the phones. I really don't for the Knicks. I, I really don't know. Because when the trade deadline was approaching and I was looking at who was who, who, who the players were on, you know, the players were on the block, I said to myself, okay, Goran is the one that's getting a lot of Dragic. Goran Dragic is getting a lot of um, publicity. Okay. He, Goran, said, I'm not coming back to Phoenix. 
I want to go to either Miami. I know he mentioned Miami, and I know he mentioned New York for sure. Mm. So I said to myself, I said, okay, Phil, get on the phone, make your phone call, speak to him, say to Zen Master, and have him come to New York. He would work perfect for the triangle. He would work perfect. I'm thinking in my head, that's going to happen. It'll, it'll, it'll work. And then Pat Riley swoops in with his slick hair, the Miami sun, the heat, the South Beach, the D-Wade, the Chris Bosh. It was a no-brainer. It, it was a no-brainer. Why would I go to New York in that rebuilding phase when chances are Miami in the next one, two, three years, even if I resign, it's going to be more as a competing. I'm going to be able to compete and make the playoffs and make some make some noise with the Miami Heat. It was a no-brainer. And once I did, when I saw, I decided to go to Miami. I said, yeah, yeah, the Knicks lose again. The Knicks lose again. And Pat Riley's sitting back with a cigar in his mouth like, yep, I got D-Wade. I got Dang. I got Bosh. I got the new center that, that pretty much came out of nowhere that's doing work. I forget his name off the top of my head. Um, I got now. I got the point. You know, I got a point guard to get them the ball, and he's going to be my point guard. They got. I believe they got rid of Norris Cole, so uh, you know he's going to be the point guard. He doesn't have to look over his shoulder like he was in Phoenix. It's a beautiful thing. I'm just once again the Knicks get shot right in the eye, bow and arrow. Uh, it's 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 a sad day. It's a sad day for the Knicks, but. Miami had a great, great uh, pickup in Gordon Drogic for sure. And, and, I mean, obviously his brother, I've seen him play a couple of times. His brother's going with him. The family affair, I know they're both probably down in South Beach right now drinking uh, some drinking some Mai Tais and having a good time. <laughs> sure. Guaranteed on your money back. <laughs> um, I, when, when I look at, when I, when I saw that, and I'm like, oh man, you gotta be kidding me, going Dragic going to Miami. Uh, I mean, I know it was one spot he wanted to go to. The the Lakers were the third team um, that he wanted to go to, and the Knicks. Those were the only three teams that he said that he would commit long term or resigning or have the notion to resign once the off season comes. Now my thing is, if Miami is giving up essentially Norris Cole and Danny Granger and some draft picks and all that, and you get Goran Dragic back, they they have to feel pretty confident and feeling like, you know what, we got Goran now, we still got D-Wade, we got Bosch, we got Luau Deng, we're right in this mix of the Eastern Conference playoffs, we could make a run. Um, that's That's the part that worries me about him staying in Miami, the fact the fact that the Knicks can't get him because he has two All-Stars already with him. He has two future Hall of Famers on the roster with him. The owner, the, the GM, Pat Riley, is a Hall of Famer, multiple-time champion. So it's going to be hard for going, uh, for, or for the Knicks to say, hey, listen, why don't you leave D-Wade, leave Bosch and Pat Riley, and come here because we got Phil Mello, and that's pretty much it. So th- that's the part that gets to me like, I will he come here? I don't know now because Miami is going to do everything to keep him because they gave up they gave up so much to get him. So if Goran ultimately stays with Miami, then that's that's just one more guy that the Knicks and the Knicks fans wanted, and they just aren't able to get him. Let me let me answer the question. The question is the question you asked: Would the Knicks be able to get Goran next year? Hell no. There's no way. He's not leaving South Beach 
Bradley Rasta. He's buy, right now he's buying a house right on the water. He's laying out. He's getting a tan because he needs some color, okay? He's getting a tan, and he is going to have a great career with the Miami Heat. He's not going anywhere. Why in the hell would he come up to New York? There's no way he's leaving Miami. It's a great landing spot for him. Obviously, it's hot in Phoenix. It's hot in Miami. It, and obviously, once again, you mentioned it that he, long-term, he had to have an agreement that he would sign long-term with them, a verbal agreement, which has been, which has been broken before, but, you know, he seems like a stand-up guy. He wouldn't break it. I feel that he's not going anywhere. The Knicks, again, lose out. Hey, guess what? Matter of fact, um, answer this. Do you happen to know who New York plays tomorrow? Miami. <laughs> They're going to win by 25, guaranteed, or your money back. And, 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 and if, and if Goran plays, he's probably going to... Oh, he's going to show the Knicks. He's going to show the Knicks exactly. Not that he hasn't before. Every time he's played at MSG, he's played very well. But he's going to show the Knicks exactly what is on the table. And the Knicks are going to have egg on their face once again. Well, you know what's so funny? A, a a different guy who was on the Knicks radar last trade deadline was Reggie Jackson from Thunder. Um, yeah. I, I, obviously, he doesn't come to New York, but he's going to Detroit in some kind of a mega deal. Basically, to me, what the Thunder got back today. Oh, boy. Yeah, that that pretty much uh, explains oh. it. Um, they gave up Jackson... When you look at it, they gave up Jackson and Kendrick Perkins, who was a who was a an offensive liability, um, and they get back a good, decent point guard, backup point guard in DJ Augustine, who who was who came on later on in in the deal. They get the big man from Utah, Ennis Cantu, which I think is a great addition because they need help on, on the front line to replace Perkins. Not not that that was. You know, much needed a, a shooter and Steve Novak who can still hit wide open threes in the corner and do his do his due diligence when Durant and Westbrook are being double teamed and Kyle Singler from the Pistons. So I think it was overall a great day for Thunder uh, for for Oklahoma City. They bolstered their bench and the fact that all they really give up was Jackson and Perkins. So uh, Jackson going to Detroit, um, maybe that's just uh, an insurance. For whatever happens with Brandon Jennings with the injury, I think that's what that deal came about. And your thought, how did this deal help the Oklahoma City Thunder? For me, OKC had the best day for me. I mean, let's start from the beginning. DJ Augustine, he should be a starter somewhere. He should start somewhere. He was playing very well for Detroit. He played very well for Indiana. He played very well for Chicago. So he's a great point guard. For him to be, uh, he has the talent to be a starter. For him to back up Westbrook, I think this is Westbrook's best backup since he's been there. Period. Point blank. He has the best backup. So when he goes to the bench, you're not losing anything. That's number one. Number two, then you get, you get, Cantor, who is a big body, another body you can another body next to Ibaka. You can throw him in. You know, when the, if they play Memphis, you can throw him in there. They play San Antonio, you can throw him in there. Rough, rough some people up. Defend the defend the paint. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful, beautiful pickup with Cantor. I love that pickup. And then Kyle Singler and Steve Novak. Listen, 
I hate it when Steve Novak left the New York Knicks because he is a specialist. You don't get rid of specialists. Guys that are just paid to do one thing and one thing only, you don't get rid of them. Steve Novak. Now, could you just imagine Westbrook going full speed on a fast break? You have Steve Novak on one side. You have Kevin Garnett on the other. Uh, Kevin Garnett. Kevin Durant, excuse me, on the other. You have so many options. He spreads the floor, and you know when he catches it, it's going to be Trey Bueno from three-point line. It's not even a question. And then Kyle Singler, you know, very, very he's a solid, solid player. I wouldn't say good, wouldn't say bad, but solid player. He's not going to hurt you. He's going to rebound here. He's going to defend here. He's going to make the right passes. He's not going to hurt you. So they just solidified their bench completely. This playoff run right now is going to be big for the OK City, uh, OK, you know, Oklahoma City Thunder. And quite frankly, to me, they had the best. They had the best day. Reggie Jackson going to Detroit definitely. Um, you know, I don't see Brandon Jennings coming back and getting his starting position from Reggie Jackson. I think he's going to he's going to lose his starting position for sure. Uh, he's not getting that back from um, from Reggie Jackson when he comes back, Brandon Jennings. But um, you know, it's definitely a big a big thing with OKC. I'm I'm happy that they got they re, they they just they just reloaded. Period. You know what's so funny when you mentioned uh, Kevin Garnett. <laughs> On a thunder, I was like, um, <laughs> maybe he was on his way to Minnesota and say, you know what, nah, chill, I'm going to yeah, OKC. Yeah, I'll just go to yeah, I'll go to I'll go to the OKC Thunder. Yeah, better luck, better luck for sure. <laughs> uh, I mean, I I like it. I think they added some people to who, you know, obviously they they uh, they lost Harden a couple years ago. They lost Jeff Green a couple years ago, and. The bench was always a, a question mark. You know, the bench wasn't that strong. It was it was very thin. And now with with the Thunder trying to be in the playoff race, you know, they're they're, they're fighting for eighth. So right now, there's no true guarantee they're gonna make the playoffs. But I think with the people they have coming in with Cantor, Singler, Augustine, and and Novak, which is some people that I know that's gonna help them out. So the the, the load of Westbrook and Durant does not have to be so much. So now they have pieces to, to come in and really provide a lot on the offensive end. So to me, if there was a true winner of the whole day, it would be the Oklahoma City Thunder. But to me, going forward, it could be a winner, but I'm not sure yet until it plays out was kind of like the last deal that happened. And this, this is like the 3 o'clock hour where... All my Twitter timeline was like, WTF, what's going on? What is Milwaukee What is what is Milwaukee doing? And I'm like, I have no idea what they're talking about. And I read that Brandon Knight, who was having an all-star year, starting point guard, doing well with, with Jason Kidd and the Bucks. They're right now in 6-7th in the East. And could have been an all-star reserve um, if it wasn't for Kyle Corbett, who, who, you know, was great being there too, but now he goes to Phoenix, which is now the replacement for Goran Dragic, and it was like, whoa, well, like what are you doing? Like, like until we heard who they got back, it was like, how do you like? They won nine of the last ten games. There's no Jabari Parker, and, and they're still doing well. And he was like the bright spot on that team. He goes to Phoenix. But you get back Michael Carter Williams, last year's Rookie of the Year. You get Tyler and Tyler Ennis, and the fact that I think, which is the sweetener, you get Miles, the big man Miles Plumlee from Phoenix. 
So now when you look at it, it's like, hmm, okay, so you get rid of Brandon Knight, but you get Plumlee and um, Michael Carter-Williams, who to me I think needed to be out of Philadelphia. I think he's going to thrive with Jason Kidd. He'll be a totally different ball player. In your estimation, one, how shocked were you that Brandon Knight was traded from Milwaukee? And two, how does it help both Phoenix and Milwaukee going forward? Well, for starters, I think um, from what I read, from what I read, it looks like it looked like Jason Kidd and Michael Carter Williams have the same agent, same agency is represented. So I think that's why uh, that move was done. But you, with, yeah, Brandon Knight leaving and going to Phoenix. Um, you know, Phoenix obviously gets. I think they'll move him to the two guard. They're going to leave. Um, Bledsoe. They're going to leave Bledsoe at the one. They're going to put Brandon Knight at the two. And, you know, obviously, listen, Jason Kidd's been doing a hell of a job in Milwaukee. So for him to get Michael Carter-Williams, who's, who's more, you know, he can, he can work with Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd will be a mentor to him. And they get Miles Plumlee. And don't get me wrong, you get Tyler Ennis, too, who's a great, you know, he's an up-and-coming point guard, too. You get two young point guards to work with. And then Miles Plumlee, you get more athletic, along with Giannis. Along with, you know, you get this guy coming back from injury. Um, Jabari Parker. Jabari Parker. You, get, you have some pieces that will, uh, you know, that'll, you know, develop and work if they're all young. So I, I can see, I can see why the trade was done. Um, and, you know, it, it could be to a combination of two things, Jason Kidd having the uh, same agent and, you know, him maybe not liking Brandon, even though Brandon Knight was doing his thing, maybe not liking his style of play. Maybe he liked the way Michael Carter-Williams uh, is taller. And, uh, you know, taller point guards have always been Jason Kidd's thing. So maybe it's, you know, taller point guard, more of a, more, you know, that's for his system. So, you know, but listen, Milwaukee's been playing 500 ball. I like what they've been doing. They're young. So I definitely uh, see them doing very, very well down the line. The part that gets me is the fact that Phoenix, they traded two of their three point guards in, in Drogic and also Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas, who I thought was going to Philadelphia in one day, but now he's going to Boston. And they traded the big man Plumley, and in return, you get two point guards. And to me, my thing is, if you're going to trade a big man, their help needed to come from the front court. And, and, and I like the Morris Twins. Um, P.J. Tucker, and they have Plumlee. But now you get rid of Plumlee, and you just get back two point guards in return. I like the backcourt of Brandon Knight and Eric Bledsoe. I'm just worried about them going forward in that tough Western Conference now that one of your, I guess, better big men is is not there, and you don't replace him at all with, with, with anybody. Well, they're leaning on um, – they got that big guy. I think his name is uh, – let Len. Oh, Len, Len. Yeah, they got. So they're leaning on him heavy. He's young. I think he's like 20 or 21. So they're going to lean on him heavy. But once again, Jeff Hornacek, it seemed like his his uh, philosophy is, you know, uh, small ball. His philosophy looks like it's small ball. So I wasn't surprised at all that, you know, they got rid of Plumlee to get some, some, some back smaller. And um, that's his philosophy. Jeff Hornacek is the coach, and he's looking to do small, you know, he's looking to play small ball. So I wasn't surprised at that at all. But I think what they're doing is they, they must see this Len guy as somebody who's going to be able to ride the, 
you know, somebody's going to be able to to just put everything all all on his shoulders, and he he doesn't need uh, any help, which more than likely is going to, going to backfire down the line. But um, yeah, at the same time too, uh, you know, as long as they know Bledsoe's their one, and they move, you know, they more than likely move Brandon Knight to the two. You have kind of two combo guards playing, and uh, for the life of me, I don't understand why they don't start uh, Dan- uh, Green. For the life of me, I don't understand why he's coming off the bench if he's going to give you 18. 18 points in minutes, in short minutes. Why not just start him and call it a day? He's like six 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 seven, athletic, can shoot over anybody. Uh, it's a no-brainer to me. However, you know I'm not a coach, so what? What the hell do I know? But uh, you know, Phoenix is going small ball from what I from what it looks like. So overall, in your honest opinion, a lot of people were on the move today. Some people who we thought were going to be on the move stayed with their current team. And we, you know, Dennis, we've been through many trade deadlines where a big name is on the move, and then we get a trade deadline that could, that could be a dud where all you hear is, is cash and little draft picks being traded and, like, really <laughs> insignificant trades being um, going on at trade deadline. In your opinion, from a grading standpoint, or if you want to do from 1 to 10, how would you rate today's NBA trade deadline? Uh, I mean, the only major, the only major, major name was, uh, was for me, was uh, Goran Dragic. Other than that, I'd rate it a seven, a seven, seven, seven and a half. Wasn't a big time, you know, you had a lot of mid-level guys going different places. Um, but, uh, I gave it a seven, uh, you know, it wasn't a lot of big names. So I'll give it a seven. Uh, I wish there were more big names, uh, moved around. A lot, one question I had too is, what I read was Denver was trying to get rid of Ty Lawson. Right. And Denver was trying to get rid of him. They do not want him. And he's second in the league in assists. Why wasn't the Knicks on the phone? I don't, I don't understand unless, we're just, unless, people, unless the Knicks are on the phone and the Knicks just have nothing to give up. I'm assuming that's the case because when a team says, here, we don't want this guy, they're pretty much saying we'll take anything in return. And then Brian Shaw's the coach, Phil Jackson, uh, you played, Brian Shaw played for Phil Jackson, was a mentor, you know, Phil Jackson is his mentor. It would have been a no-brainer. Pick up the phone, call him and say, here, gift, gift me, gift me Ty Lawson, simple, plain, done. But... I don't know what transpired. Now Ty Lawson has to play for a team that clearly didn't want him. Hey, Dennis, uh, this is Joe Cruz Jr. here. Uh, um, just got to say that your insight on the on uh, on today's deals is big time. But I have one question for you, being a, a diehard Knicks fan. Um, here you go. Here you go. The question is... <laughs> here you go. Go ahead. The question is, how surprised are you that the Knicks didn't make a move. I know there was some conversation early in the week about how, you know, they they were so tempted to get Dragic, and some people would say that might have been a bad move. How surprised are you that they didn't make a move today? I'm surprised at the whole Knicks organization from top to bottom. I don't have enough time to go into the intricacies of why this, this team just upsets me so. Not because I'm in New York and they're the Knicks. It, if they were, if I was on the West Coast and just following all their moves, it, it's just a travesty. So to answer your question specifically, um, I, I wasn't surprised that they, I wasn't surprised that they didn't make any moves. One, two is uh, with the Knicks. Just to get a little bit deeper into the Knicks, 
they should have shut down Melo as soon as as soon as Carmelo Anthony. They should have shut him down as soon as they heard he had a knee problem. The Knicks weren't going anywhere. They traded all their they traded all their you know mediocre to okay players. I don't understand why they didn't shut him down. Now I'm hearing that it may take six six months for him to come back from this knee surgery. That's bad business. And he's 31, and he's supposed to be in his prime years, and now he has to rehab a knee. And, you know, we all know Melo likes to get aggressive. Don't get me wrong, his game is, is pretty much outside-oriented, but, you know, you, you want him to go to the hole and, and, and draw fouls and get people in foul trouble. That's probably going to be a question mark down the line. Phil Jackson is on the clock. He has one more year to make me a believer. This year has been a total bust from the beginning to the end. He has not even lived up to he, – he, he's getting paid $12 million a year. $12 million. A person in his position, his title should be getting anywhere between 5 to $6 million. Right. He's getting $12 million a year. This year he shouldn't even get – he shouldn't get paid. He shouldn't even get gotten a check this year. He, he shouldn't have gotten, gotten a check. I'm Quite frankly, I'm disgusted with the Knicks. They, they should cut the, price, the ticket prices in half, which they're not going to do. Uh, they, have no, they have no product to even support right now. So, but once again, I, I'm not shocked because this is what we expect from the Knicks right now. The last four to five years have been just total bad move after bad move. I don't know who to blame, period. Well, I mean, you bring up a... A touchy subject in regards to Carmelo, in in the sense of, you know, there was talk about how he should have kind of shut down his season, be, you know, prior to the NBA All Star game being in New York, you know, and you know all of us get it here, right? Like you know, we know that he's a prime time player that wants to rep for his city and so on and so forth. But you know, where does the where does the loyalty and where does the respect come from New York Knicks fans in, in the sense of how Carmelo and the Knicks handled that situation? Right at the All Star game, that you played 30 minutes at, and you stunk the whole gym up, and then you come here and then say, "Hey, you know what? I'm gonna shut it down for the rest of the season," knowing that the Knicks are tanking, and knowing that you know, hey, your superstar pretty much is shut down for the season. What do you take about that? You know, that whole entire thought process. Well, first and foremost, um, when Michael Jordan broke his foot and wanted to come back. A young Michael Jordan broke his foot and wanted to come back to help his team make the playoffs. Jerry Reinsdorf, oh, excuse me, Jerry Krause, excuse me, Jerry Krause, who um, was involved, obviously was an executive for the Bulls, told him, no, you're not coming back. And they butted heads. And they, Jordan didn't like him from that point on. He despised him. But the fact that Jerry was like, look, you're my, you're my, you're my guy. You're the guy on the team. If you are going to be, and mind you, this is a sit-down between Jordan, the doctors, and Jerry Krause. And they all sat down and said, look, we think you should shut it down. Jordan was, a, was adamant, no, I want to play. And Jerry Krause made his voice known like he does not, he does not, I don't want you to play, period. Right? right. If Phil Jackson came out in the paper and said, I don't want Melo to play. He's, yes, he may make his decision, but me personally, I don't want him to play based on where we are this season and where we're going and him being who he is. I want to recommend him shut it down and get healthy for next season. He answered the question of should Melo shut it down? And he, well, that's his decision. No, the hell it's not. It's your decision. You're Phil Jackson. 
together the menu. You're the guy putting together the menu for everybody. You're basically putting together all the tools, all the all the uh, all the uh, necessary pieces for the team to be successful. And if your main piece, your main ingredient, which is Melo, Carmelo Anthony, the guy you signed, to, he's the hundred million dollar man. He's the guy that most of the people in New York are going to come see. If he's hurt and there's no benefit for him playing this year, bench him. Or at least make make me a believer that you tried to or attempted to tell him, yo, sit down. And he said no, then I would only point my finger at Melo. But because it was, it looked like Phil was like, it's on Melo. Now it's, I have a finger to point at Phil and I have a finger to point at Melo. Melo, I understand him saying, oh, you know, it's All-Star Weekend. Da, 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 da. I understand that. And even looking at D-Wade, D-Wade said, you know what? I won't play. I'll play. I'll play, I'll take you know some time off. I'm hurt. I'll I'll wait until you know I get some more. I'll get some more rest and I'll wait and play down the line. I won't play this this um this you know this game. Which could is be, which is a smart it, move. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, one last thing. Could it be because it was in New York? That could be a possible reason. Good. Right. So I'm you know that's you know I mean I don't want to stay on the subject, but it's just, you know if the All Star game was in Miami, would D Wade? Yes. Sit out right. in Miami, and that's the right. difference between Melo or Wade. Is maybe Wade would have sat out in Miami, knowing the fact that his season is still alive and he's still got you know time to recover. And the bigger picture is getting to the playoffs and fi- you know, finishing out the season uh, the way it's supposed to be. But not to ponder that too long. I have one more question before we wrap it up. Um, besides the you know the big deal with with Dragic. Uh, him going to Miami, and we're not too sure whether he'll resign there or not long term. Um, what is the sleeper trade that happened today that you might feel would uh, surprise the league uh, for the remainder of the season? Um, well, I mean, I'm looking over these trades, um, and the only thing, the only thing I, I see, I mean, Drogic to Miami. Um, you know, the main one that everyone's talking about. If you're talking about something that is not really too much on the radar, I, I honestly believe DJ Augustine to OKC, I think it's big because clearly DJ played with Kevin Durant in college. That's one. One thing. And then two, he's a great point guard and he's battle tested. This is not a guy who's never been in the playoffs. This is not a guy who's never seen what playoffs the playoff atmosphere is. So I'm totally happy that he's going to OKC and he gets to experience the playoffs once again with his with his guy, Kevin Durant. And uh, I think that, yeah, the sleeper for me would have been uh, DJ Augustine going to OKC. He gets to leave, you know, leave the uh, the cesspool that it was in Detroit. Don't get, it, don't get me wrong, they were playing better once they cut the fat in Josh Smith. But I think DJ Augustine to OKC was a, was a sleeper move. To me, Dennis, I, I feel like what Portland did in getting Aaron Aflalo, uh, which is a guy that can score, that can that yeah. can defend, and he goes to to Portland from Denver. Um, to me, that that has to be a a sleeper move because nobody thought Portland was going to make a move. It it could be one move that can like kind of send you from. The, the 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 fourth seed to second or third and going to the Western Conference Finals. That's how valuable I think Aflalo is and going to be 
for the Portland Trailblazers, who already have two All-Stars in Aldridge and Damian Lillard. Uh, Wes uh, Matthews, that team is loaded. How important is Aaron Aflalo going to Portland Trailblazers? No, that's, you, I totally forgot about that. That's I mean, Portland... Portland has always had a squad. They've always had, from top to bottom, great players. When they pick up Aaron Afalo, they add this another veteran who is battle-tested, who's going to give you solid minutes, won't make mistakes, and will also, this is the big part, will play defense. He's a guy that's going to play D. He's not afraid of anyone. He's going to put his nose in, in, in the fire, and he's just going to get scrappy. So Portland picked up a huge piece for their playoff run. Um, I don't know if that's enough to overtake Memphis or San Antonio, Mm. but I do believe that it's a piece that they definitely will need down the line in order to compete and take games, you know, instead of it being three, four games, you know, they'll be able to take games, take some teams into the, you know, seven games, and have it uh, have it a little tight as opposed to you know getting swept or opposed to you know anything like that. So it's definitely a big pickup by Portland. I think that's a, a good point there too, Rand. Definitely good pickup. Before I wrap it up, uh, DK, um, I, I took the liberty of going to Twitter about a, about an hour ago and and asking the fans, you know, what were their thoughts of of the NBA trade deadline? Real quick, um, let me get the the proper Twitter name right. Jr. J.R. Ryder says, or asked me uh, my thoughts on the Knicks picking up Fed, and I told him, really not much, you know, just the fact that they got two second-round draft picks. I think that's the the more important one for me. Um, Richard Cedeno at APDRich9, he said the fact that Phoenix does not know what they're doing, trading both Drogic and... um, Isaiah Thomas after just acquiring Thomas, I think, last year. Um, well, actually, just to interject, actually, Phoenix knows what they're doing because Phoenix realized they were going to lose Drogic for nothing. Right. So once you realize that as a, as a team, you know, executive, GM, once you realize you will get no asset and your player will leave and you'll get nothing in return, then you have to make a move. So it was actually a better situation to just get rid of him now and get as much as you can for him than to wait till the summer and lose him for nothing. Mm-hmm. Jorge at Bronx Fanatic said uh, he surprised Steve Novak is still playing. Don't shoot dead. Listen, you, you make people make fun of you. You can't as a um, as a player in the NBA. You're gonna have superstars and you're gonna have role players. And the role players can be guys that are just defenders or rebounders. And then you have guys that are shooters. You need any of those three to be championship-level contenders. Every championship-level team, and you can I'm sure you can list off a couple of them right now, have specific role players that will come in and do their specific job. So Steve Novak is needed on uh, – Steve Novak is needed on any team to spread the floor. When you have a guy that, that has to be respected in terms of his three-point prowess, now a point guard has the freedom and the space to get around his defender and get into the paint. Now the defense has to suck in or the defense has to stay home. Now, mind you, that's Ray Allen, perfect example. 
he is a three-point specialist. You cannot leave him, period, right? So now any team he's on, the point guard could, get, could just drive, get around his defender, and if you dare leave Jesus, you dare leave Jesus, Hmm. Dino Shuttlesworth, you know what the end, you know what the end result is. I don't even want to get back to that San Antonio right. Miami game that that still hurts my soul. Mm-hmm. But you know what the end result is. And last one from from Rick at Reckon DD uh, asks, what are the Philadelphia 76ers thinking? So I mean, Philly's Philly's in that mode where they don't want to take contracts. They they want the draft picks, and they don't want rookie of the years. They, they don't want nobody. They just want to completely start over. And it's, it's going to be, I think, with with them and Boston, how they do going forward with all the draft picks they have acquired. How do they utilize that? Do they use that to get a veteran? Do they do they use that to get somebody? Um, young to kind of be like the main guy on the roster or really just start picking people from the draft because it's not like many people many good people are out there at the moment so they're loaded with draft picks Boston's loaded with draft picks it it, it just remains to be seen what is the main goal that Philadelphia is going for what's the main goal Boston is going for in acquiring all of these picks, and, and, and I mean, Boston did get Isaiah Thomas early today, but what else? What else are they going to do going forward? So Philly is very, very tricky, very uh, questionable. I don't, I have no idea, but hopefully that team and Boston and, and other teams who have multiple draft picks can make that turn where the investment is being paid off, not only for the organization but also for the fans in, in, in both those cities. Yeah, I mean, listen. Through the draft, that's fine. You just have to. It's a it's a direction that we can see, right? So if you want to build your team through the draft, which is which is what Boston and looks like what Boston and 76ers are doing, and then you know build your you know build your your your, your stockpile of, of draft picks and then dangle them out for other teams that may want to get rid of players or may want to pick you know pick up players. You say, hey, do you want this draft pick? Do you want this draft pick? And see what happens. I think that's a that's a that's one strategy out of many to go with if the fans in those particular cities don't mind waiting five years, six years, seven years for it to be competitive, then I'm all for it. But at least there's a direction. See, the Knicks, I don't know if they have a direction. I can't see left. I can't see right. I can't see through the fog at all. But at least the Sixers in Boston, they're like, well, we're just gonna we're just going to stink, and we're going to just – Hoard all these draft picks, and if these draft picks end up turning into somebody, you know, into you know, great players or mediocre players, that's great. We'll size it up and decide down the line if we want to trade them or keep them. So at least they have some sort of direction. I, I ride with that all the way. Hey, DK, uh, my man, it's always a great pleasure talking to you. Before I wrap it up, let the fans again know where they can reach out to you, Twitter, SoundCloud, uh, website, uh, blogs everything so they can know more info about you man all day all day once again thanks a lot for letting me spew my hate (laughs) (laughs) going off thank you so much once again it's dk dk media nyc at the twitter uh once again i have a show called the dk media show on soundcloud.com backslash the dk media show 
I'm also on Instagram as well, DK Media NYC. Uh, hit me up. Let me know, you know, what you think about um, these these trades. But once again, I appreciate you inviting me on the show, and uh, and hopefully we can do this again. Always, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. No problem. All right. So that was DK Media here on the Cruise Control Podcast, along with my brother Joe Cruz of the Hoops in the Sun radio show, talking about the NBA, the trade deadline, some trades that happened, some trades that that didn't happen, who stayed, who's on the go here in the NBA. So it should be a very interesting final two months of the regular season to see how these trades work out for all of these teams. So for myself... Randy Cruz, hit me up on Twitter at Randy J. Cruz. Also, my brother Joe at Hoops in the Sun, the radio show, Hits Radio Show on Twitter, and DK Media NYC uh, from my man DKM. So that's what he wants to be called by, so I'll just keep it that way. You can uh, recap all the podcasts that we've done over the past four years for the Hits Radio Show. On hitsradioshow.com, also blogtalkradio.com, backslash hitsradioshow. We're also on SoundCloud, I believe it's soundcloud.com, um, backslash hitsradio network. Um, I apologize if I get the name wrong, but it'll be up there tonight. And um, thank you, man. Appreciate it, and have a good night.